listening to the Save the Marriage podcast. Your marriage can be saved and strengthened if you have the right information. Join Dr. Lee Bauckham as he explores ways for you to improve your relationship and your life, starting right now. One of the things that really gets in the way of people when they're working on their marriage is they have so much emotion behind them that when they have a chance to have a discussion with their spouse, it escalates so quickly that they blow up. And so I often have people say, how can I have a discussion without blowing up? How, how can I have that happen? And so first of all, let's talk a little bit about why that often happens. One of the things that's behind that is the level of emotionality that's already pulled in. We live in fear when we're in a crisis, and the fear gets us activated. This is where I talk about the fact that when we are at a fearful place, we often end up either freezing or flailing, where we have all this energy either held within us or it's just flying everywhere all around us. So a lot of times people find that they blow up because they've gone from freeze to flail. You know, they've been trying to avoid uh, any confrontation. They've been trying to avoid it, having any problems, and then something happens, and they start flailing, but the flail is in a kind of a blowout. At the same time, whenever we have these confrontations, often with a spouse, it ends up being at a place of fight or flight. That's what happens when we feel like we're being attacked, fight or flight. And so the flight is not so much the problem with the blowout as much as the fight. We take on a spouse. And so the buildup to that blow up is often the resentment and frustrations. And these are often the places where it kind of catches us by surprise. People tell me they didn't even know what had happened. You know, they, they thought they were having a conversation. It was going calmly. And suddenly it's like the fuse is lit and they can't stop. And so in the process, one major thing happens. It proves the spouse Right. And that moment of trying to get a spouse to see something different, the person who's trying to save the relationship actually proves to the spouse why things can't move ahead. And that's the damage of the blow up. That's why it's so important to be able to work through that and make sure you're doing the best you can to not have the blow ups. You may not be perfect at this. You may have some times when you get there. And so what we're trying to do is lower the temperature lower the pressure. My family recently got one of the Instant Pots. If you're not familiar with that, that's the pressure cooker that's been uh, super electronicized by uh, a, a person who invented it. And, and so you can cook things very quickly, just like the old pressure cookers that you know my, maybe my mother, but more my grandmother would use. I don't know if you remember anything about those pressure cookers of the olden days, but they would blow up sometimes something would happen and there was no release and it would just explode with not so great uh, issues in, throughout the kitchen. So hopefully the Instant Pot's not going to happen, but I, I want you to think of that pressure cooker as the issue. So what happened? How do you make a pressure cooker pressurized? You put something in to cook and then you add some moisture and, and it, the steam kind of builds up pressure and that forces the cooking into that meat. That's kind of how it happens. So now I want you just for a minute to think about the fact that there's no release valve on that pot. That's why it can build up the pressure. If it leaked, kind of like if you had a pot sitting on the stove and it's constantly kind of rumbling through and, and out the cover, 
it doesn't build up the pressure and therefore doesn't become pressurized and therefore doesn't become a pressurized little bomb in the kitchen. Unfortunately, for lots of people who are working to save their marriage, they're holding it in. They're not finding anywhere for release. And because of that, it begins to build up. So the buildup is based in that unexpressed or unreleased buildup of emotions. And I want you to remember unexpressed and unreleased because that tells you two things that can happen. Can you express it a different way or can you release it a different way? Cool thing about my Instant Pot is it has a little release valve. I can manually release the pressure. Or I could just not even seal the lid and it would never build up, right? Those are two ways to keep the pressure from building up. So the basis of this unexpressed or unreleased feeling is really frustration and hurt. Remember, I named it as resentment early on. So let's just track this back for a minute just to remind you that anger is what people often see from us. But anger is a secondary emotion. It's not the primary emotion. The primary emotion that leads us to feel anger or to express anger is hurt, fear, and threat. Hurt and fear and threat. Why are we fearful? Because we feel a threat. And the hurt is related to that. So when we feel hurt or fearful, it can come out as anger. If that anger is not addressed, then underneath it, it becomes resentment. Resentment is simply unexpressed anger, which is unresolved hurt. So now we're already back a step from what's building up that pressure. It's really hurt. It's not the anger. It's not the resentment. It's really the hurt and the frustration that you can't get things going. So sometimes people say, well, I can't share anything with my spouse. And the problem with that is if you're afraid of blowing up, therefore you can't share anything with your spouse, it ends up being a kind of a vicious cycle because you have a fear of blowing up or a fear of hurting the other person, and therefore there's no release valve. There's no place for that. So when there is no release valve, we have to recalculate of how that could happen. There are two ways that you can go back to that uh, expression or release. Expressing is by telling and releasing is by letting go. Both can be appropriate, but we have to be careful in how we, uh, we couch the telling. We can be less careful about letting it go if we understand what that's about. Either can be appropriate. But remember that what you're trying to move towards is, is the health of the relationship. This is something that often people forget. When they want to tell their spouse why they're angry with them, they're not putting it through the lens of the relationship as much as their own personal feelings. Sometimes we can step back and say, okay, you know what? That's not that big of a deal for the overall health of the relationship. An issue that you're upset about may not be quite as big a deal if you look at it in the context of the overall relationship. For instance, I've had people sit in my office and tell me about the toilet seat being up or down. <laughs> I've had people in my office tell me about the toothpaste being squeezed in the middle. I've had people tell me about a glass being left on the counter or clothes being left on the floor and how much anger and resentment is, is led to that. And so my first question is, is this a big enough issue 
unsolvable, if you put it that way, but a big enough issue that you would let it destroy the relationship. Sometimes people have told me it is indeed big enough if that toilet seat is up or down, or indeed big enough if someone squeezes a toothpaste. And I remember having a couple in my office where, you know, he was the middle squeezer, she was the end squeezer who rolled it up, and they were fighting it out. And I finally looked at them and I said, you know, as much as you're paying me, you could buy a lot of tubes of toothpaste and each of you have your own toothpaste and never have to deal with this again. If that's the real issue. Underneath it, they were using the story of that toothpaste or the toilet seat cover or the glass on the counter or the clothes on the floor as indications of respect. They were telling themselves a story of disrespect, which is part of the question of whether they need to actually hold on to it or let it go. Remember, we often have our own story. And our own story is based partly in fact, but a lot of our own story is based in what we assume about it. So remember, there is always fact. For instance, fact is that both people were choosing to squeeze toothpaste in different ways. Fact is that one person would leave the toilet seat up and the other wanted it down. Fact is that somebody just left their clothes on the ground. Fact is the glass was left on the counter. After that, We're left with speculation, with narrative. Narrative is a story we're telling in our head about what that means. Narrative often is placed in our own self-narrative. And sometimes that self-narrative is around things like life not being fair, about how uh, you're always the victim of something, about how people will always mess you over, how love is conditional, those are narratives that enter into the facts. My spouse won't squeeze the toothpaste like I do. They must not respect me, love me. I'm always the one who has to deal with this. My gosh, I've got to fix this too. Man, life is always unfair. My spouse won't put up or put down the toilet lid. See, they're they're not respecting me or my needs. They're not caring about me. Life's not fair. And on and on it goes in the narrative of it. Not the facts, but the narrative of that, which leads to the resentment and the hurt, which may or may not be at all the intention. One of the things I've often noticed is that our own narrative often conflicts with our spouse's narrative when both people begin to look at it from, I'm not being dealt with fairly. What I've also noticed is an interesting fact, that pretty much people sitting in my office are good people. Almost always I meet good people who are finding that their relationship is not at a good place. But what they're adding to that is uh, this game, the self-narrative game of who's being done wrong more, of how life isn't fair to them. And because of that, the feelings begin to build up. The frustrations begin to grow. And once the feelings build up and the frustrations grow and they are not shared, we're headed for the blow up. So there are a couple of things you can do to head off the blow up. The first one is to recognize the story you're telling and ask yourself the simple question, what are the facts here? Now, there are times when you may be able to see places where your spouse is doing things that truly are hurtful. 
Maybe they're staying out late. Maybe they're talking to somebody else or seeing somebody else. That is truly a hurtful event. The danger is when you take that hurtful event and make it as something being done to you. Very rarely do people do things to somebody else as much as they do it for themselves. Even if it's something that's very uh, unkind, very unthoughtful, it's for themselves. In fact, it's one of my uh, axioms I try to remember in life that people primarily do the best they can given where they are at that point. And the secondary to that is people do things for themselves, not to me. Now, what that helps me do is begin to be a little more empathetic. It doesn't mean it doesn't hurt, but it allows me to begin shifting away from the hurt and be more empathetic. Why are they doing those things that are hurting me for themselves? What's going on with them? Where are they stuck? Where are they in pain? When I can make that shift, it's less now personal and it's more about their own place. So I can begin to release it. So back to the place where we can either express or let it go. Sometimes it's important to express that the way somebody is doing something is hurting you. But let's think about how that might happen. For instance, in the couple with the toothpaste. Hey, you know what? I really like it when I squeeze a toothpaste this way. I notice you're doing it the other way. Is there a way that we can resolve that? Is there a way that we can deal with that so that we both are getting what we want? It may be just buying two pieces or two tubes of toothpaste. You know, it really feels disrespectful for me as the person who does most of the laundry that you're leaving the the uh, laundry on the floor. All I need is to put in the hamper. Hamps they. Uh, hamper. Is there a way that we can make that easier? Can I put a hamper in your corner? Would that help? Is there a way we can resolve that? That's expressing it. Long before it's for the past 30 years, you have been throwing all your stuff on the floor, making me clean up for the first past 30 years. You've been wasting half a tube of toothpaste or you've been squeezing it from the end and rolling it up like a, you know, a kind of person who is all worried about those things. There are lots of other ways we can solve it if we express it before it's a big deal and we make it about the facts, make it about solving the facts. One of the most curious things for me in watching couples is how often they're not solving anything. Instead, they're wanting the other person to uh, somehow see that they have been the bad person. The problem is most of us believe we're not the bad person. And so we resist being made to see that we're the bad person. That rarely solves it anyway. So one way of dealing with it to keep it from blowing up is basing it on solutions. When we express issues and look for solutions, we can move it in a different direction. The second thing is a lot of times we just need to let it go. We need to not be stuck on those things. If we can establish that the other person is a good person, just like we are, that the other person may not be doing that to you as much as for themselves, then we may need to recognize that if we're going to express it, we need to decontaminate it first. We need to let it go a little bit first. And one way of doing that is perhaps by journaling about it. Now, what I'm talking about with a journal is just where you write down. It's very simple. Pull out a piece of paper and write down what happened. What does it mean? And then ask yourself another question. Is it really true what you've made it mean? So think about it as, as a step process where you're trying to 
shift your perspective. Number one, what happened? Just write it out. What happened in that argument, in that discussion, in their actions? What, what, did, what happened? Those are the facts. The next thing is to ask, so what does that mean? Why am I being emotionally uh, charged by what's happened? What does it mean? The next question is to ask the question, is that true? What I'm saying happened, happened. What I took it to mean, is it true what I've taken it to mean? And if you say, yes, it's true, then you ask a fourth question. Are you sure? Are you 100% positive that that's what it meant? Many times, just in the process of journaling and backing it down, people recognize that they've made assumptions. And the assumptions are almost always against the other person, putting the other person in a bad light. So what are the places that you can make a shift? One is to express it differently. The second is to journal about it, which brings us to empathy and recognizing that hurt comes from hurt. If somebody does something that's hurtful to you, often they do it because they're responding from their own place of hurt. And you may not be aware of where that hurt is coming from, but you might make that as an assumption, which brings us to forgiveness, which is really about releasing it and letting it go. And also recognizing that those thoughts in your head, they're thoughts, they're narratives, they're stories that we tell, and there are different ways of telling that same story. Which brings us to the last piece of how not to blow up. Now is now. Don't extrapolate from the past, but look at what's from now and see if you can move from there. Now, if this has been helpful, but you recognize that you need other tools and other resources on how to move through this and work through it so that you can save your marriage, I invite you to grab my Save the Marriage system. Now, right now, if you go ahead and grab the Save the Marriage system, I'm also putting in a free week of VIP for you. And that free week of VIP gives you access to tools and trainings that will help you more quickly move through the process. It's not necessary, but for a free week, you can jump in on that, grab that, and move forward. And I'm also giving a get-started session with one of my coaches, trained to help you make sure that you're getting started the best way you can. The next move, though, is yours. If you find yourself stuck on this, if you find yourself constantly reacting in ways that you would rather not, we need to work on how to change that and how to move things in a better direction. The starting point to that is going to savethemarriage.com. That's savethemarriage.com and grabbing the system. This is Lee Balkum wishing you the best as you work to save your marriage. You've been listening to Save the Marriage Podcast. For more information and help, please visit us at savethemarriage.com.